Mike, glad you're with us. Thanks, Scott Shannon. 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza? Uh, we have some amazing uh, new tape. We'll break it on the program here today and on Hannity tonight. James O'Keefe, founder, Project Veritas. They were able to really, in a covert fashion, usual Project Veritas way, they went undercover exposing Antifa. Now, we're at a moment where um, a lot of things are happening as it relates to this push now. It's going to be interesting to watch the Democrats and and what side they fully come down on this. My guess, you know, Barack Obama didn't talk about the police yesterday and uh, neither did Joe Biden and all these cops. We've gone through all the different shootings that have taken place. Uh, civilians and police officers, all the chaos, all the looting, um, all the criminals, you know, all around the streets and not a whole lot of control by the police department on any side. And, you know, they we, we have all these people getting hurt needlessly. You've got to protect innocent people and innocent property in all of this. And so far, a lot of cities are not doing it. You have the president. He has to be asked by the governors and the mayors for the help. They're, they're now going out of their way to say, we don't want your help. Well, they need it. And the places that have accepted the help of the president, including areas in D.C. and uh, Minnesota, where, by the way, the memorial service for George Floyd is ongoing as we speak, um, because we have now these groups in particular you know, we, Trace Gallagher did a report now two nights in a row about how uh, mysteriously you got what looks like uh, bricks and, and things being staged in areas where they anticipate that the protesting is going to take place. But we're now we've, we've seen enough people injured and enough people killed. Um, a lot of people severely injured. Some people still fighting for their lives. We had two more police officers in New York City shot last night, one stabbed last night. You know, uh, we all want justice. This is not even an, an issue as it relates to George Floyd that there's much disagreement at all on, hardly at all. You know, but what about justice for the St. Louis police captain, David Korn? Uh, Dorn is his name, shot and killed by looters. You know, we're going to seek justice for all of the innocent citizens severely injured. In these violent riots that we're all witnessing night after night? Or what about the four police officers in St. Louis? They were shot during the, quote, nonviolent protests. They're going to demand justice. We have one cop in Vegas. He was shot in the back of the head by a rioter. The three Buffalo, New York officers intentionally run over by a person in a car. Three officers in, in Davenport, Iowa. They were ambushed by a rioter in that case with a gun. Two officers in Richmond, the Federal Protective Services uh, officer who was shot and killed. Violence is unacceptable. You know, I, I mean, to watch another two cops and one stabbed last night. And last night, well, there was a torrential downpour uh, which seemed to stop it. Now, you know, some things we're going to have to ask ourselves, where is a lot of this coming from? Now, there is a disturbing 17 percent of registered voters in this country now that actually approve of looting and destroying property. According to a new Emerson poll, 
The question they put out is, do you approve or disapprove of looting and acts of destroying property as a means to protest the death of George Floyd? 17% approve it. By the way, as in the 1960s, violent rioting, you know, tends to hurt the most disadvantaged in in cities. You have the Democratic uh, establishment now beginning to embrace, you know, Black Lives Matter. Uh, You know, remember them? What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? That group, you know, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. And we have Antifa. This is part of, you know, this underground, this investigation by Project Veritas. Uh, practice things like eye gouging. It takes very little pressure to injure someone's eyes. If you ruin their day, if you heckle them and you make them feel like they look ridiculous and make them feel outnumbered, you have, uh, again, practice things like an eye gouge. It takes very little pressure to injure someone's eyes or police are going to be like, perfect. We can prosecute these Antifa blank, blank, Look at how uh, violent they are, and not that we, Antifa, aren't, but we need to effing hide that SH. You know, consider like destroying your enemy, not like delivering a, a really awesome right hand or a right eye, left eye blow, you know. It's not boxing, it's not kicks, kickboxing, it's destroying your enemy. That's all on tape. We'll get to that at the top of the next hour. You have a former Clinton spokesperson, Brian Fallon, you know, defund the police. The movement now to defund police is now gaining, quote, unprecedented support across the U.S. Protesters holding rallies demanding the Phoenix City Council cut police funding by 25 percent. How is that going to help keep peace and stop rioting and looting and arson? What is that going to do? You know, you have the the John Legend and all these Jane Fonda, you know, an open demand to defund the police. That's now the latest, you know, big liberal cause celeb here. You know, L.A. uh, Mayor Eric uh, Garcetti announcing cuts to the police department. He wants to slash one hundred and fifty million from the LAPD budget and reinvest in communities, quote, of color, he said. And you have state Democrats pushing for an end to qualified immunity. And then you have a Democratic AG letting America burn as, quote, a path to growth. You can't, you know, liberals don't even want you to have controlled burns in a forest for crying out loud. Uh, But now we're going to have letting America burn as a path to growth. Leftists promoting the story of police shooting a 13 year old in New York City. So L.A. is going to cut the budget $150 million for the LAPD. Again, two NYPD cops shot, another stabbed, both all unprovoked attacks last night. And this was a night when there was a torrential downpour and a lot less people were there. You know, the officer that was stabbed on the left side of his neck, you know, just barely missing an artery in that particular case, which would have been pretty certain death. You know, that that all happened last night as the idiot mayor is playing Imagine by John Lennon. You have the NYPD union saying police are not being allowed to do their job. A former NYPD lieutenant uh, on the officers being attacked, quote, New York City is in a state of chaos because of the poor leadership. We had one guy uh, out there yesterday from the police union saying we are losing control of New York City. Uh, Guardian Angels in New York, that's our friend Curtis Lee's group, they're, they're described as pitching, 
you know, a battle with New York looter, looters. He's saying we don't surrender or retreat. They're trying to protect property and lives. You have, a t- you know, police under siege. Uh, Fed's warning of violent opportunists infiltrating the George Floyd protests, emboldening now to attack the police. The FBI said that some might be targeted now in their homes. I mean, this is a nightmare. One New York Democrat, city Democrat, saying blame racism if coronavirus cases spike after the George Floyd protests. Now, I'm looking at the memorial service. Uh, Reverend Al Sharpton now just got up to speak. Uh, Many people are in masks, but not anybody. It's not social distancing. You want to keep people safe. I I know I've taken a lot of heat because Linda even thinks I'm nuts because I want to open stadiums and I'm willing to wear a mask if we can get our our baseball MLB back up and NFL back up and life back to normal as quickly as possible. Um, It looks like the FBI and the Department of Justice, you know, the president designating now Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. Federal law enforcement officials are now probing whether criminal actors are coordinating the violent activities during these protests. We believe that is happening on a much higher level than we ever knew. You know, these reports of rocks and bricks that have been dropped off and staged in areas where the protests are likely going to be to throw at police. You know what it's like to get hit in the head with a brick? It's not pleasant. It's not good. I mean, uh, all of this now, you see all the hallmarks here of organized anarchy. But that's extraordinarily dangerous. You know, DOJ official, you see all the hallmarks. We're trying to see if there's coordination and command and control. You see these breadcrumbs, and that's what we're trying to verify. Another DOJ official saying the feds have seen signs of very organized coordination, professional agitators, some linked to Antifa. Another DOJ official saying leads are being pursued on all of these levels related to Antifa and other extremist groups. You know, these these extremist groups can be violent. You know, you have these lunatic white supremacist jackasses uh, out there that are, you know, just a bunch of ignorant racial racial bigots. You have people on the other side, the the left wing of this, the Antifa crowd, the anarchy crowd, Black Lives Matter crowd. Now they're saying we don't want any police department. And apparently Democrats are buying this argument. And there's a lot hanging in the balance in 152 days from now. New York, by the way, their officials describe more violent acts by the protesters. You know, at at any moment, when we first came on the air 9 Eastern last night, you know, we saw that there were people that were peacefully protesting. Now, the curfew had long passed. That didn't matter. They were there. And the people that were willing to get arrested, they actually put their hands up and they didn't resist and they got arrested. But in New York, we got a big problem. And that is, like in other cities, they have this new no-bail policy. What is a no-bail policy? Meaning you get let out that day or early the next day without any bail, which means you're right back in the action. And if you're one of the leaders that are organizing all this, that's a big problem. You got rocks, you got bricks, you got Molotov cocktails being thrown around. These are scary times for a lot of people. Um. Wait till you hear this tape we're going to play later in the program today with with James O'Keefe. Also evidence showing some foreign actors in Antifa trying to hijack the George Floyd protest. That's Bill Barr said that uh, today and what his investigation is now showing. He was out with Christopher Ray, who elaborated on it, noting that these individuals have set out to sow discord and upheaval. 
And all you get in New York is the governor fighting the mayor who's fighting the governor, and they can't agree on anything. I mean, it's just it's just pathetic to watch this. And, you know, stores, you know, I, I, why would these stores open up again? They're losing everything, and especially post-coronavirus. Um, now you have, on Thursday, the city controller of New York, Scott Stringer is his name, running to replace Comrade de Blasio, joined the movement to defund the NYPD, calling for a shift of the $1.1 billion over the next four years away from the department towards vulnerable communities most impacted by violent police and structural racism. NYPD, by the way, has a $6 billion annual budget. Well, that would be cuts of 18%. Well, that this is going to have a dramatic effect on the ability of police officers to do their job. You had in New York, by the way, video of looters fleeing the scene in a, you know, $350,000 luxury Rolls Royce. Wow. Sadly, sad story in the New York Post about a a young African-American woman in Iowa. You know, she was shot dead in the midst of all of this. It's uh, unbelievable. I never thought I'd see a lot of this in this country. And we've seen a lot. And you watch Obama and Biden go out there. Not a word about innocent people, including innocent law enforcement officers that are being targeted and killed. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this uh, extravaganza. So now the question is, okay, if all of this is being organized and all of these groups are now infiltrating... You know, these protests and instigating all of the violence and targeting of police officers. And now we have a movement. This is the the big cause celeb, the Jane Fonda types. And now the Democratic Party, we got to defund the police. Then we got Black Lives Matter. They, They want their own armed police forces for their own communities. You're looking at separating from the country. It's not going to work. It doesn't have any chance of working. And rather than, you know, here we have a situation where there's not much disagreement. Uh, The charges now have gone in place. The three other officers now aiding and abetting charges as of yesterday. Then you had the charge of murder three uh, turned to murder two. Uh, You know, okay, you got to be careful as a prosecutor. You don't overcharge. Keith Ellison is in charge of it. And. Apparently, his you know son is uh, f- making favorable comments towards Antifa. It's a little scary. Um, you had an Obama ex-intelligence official apparently securing uh, bail for the New York lawyers suspected of hurling the Molotov cocktail. Apparently, had police officers in a police cruiser. Um, now, with you know all this violence just keeps emerging everywhere. Texas man with an assault rifle at a George Floyd protest allegedly plotted to. You know, off racist and MAGA people. In other words, kill conservatives. You got more than 10,000 people reportedly arrested at U.S. protests. But most of these arrests don't matter because there's no bail policies almost everywhere. All right. uh, James O'Keefe, Lindsey Graham, Leo Terrell, Larry Elder all coming up. All right. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, it was during COVID, uh, Linda, right, that Drew Brees, didn't he donate a million dollars to New Orleans to help? Remember, they were a hot spot. We were very worried about New Orleans post-Mardi Gras at one point. 
during yes. the COVID-19. Okay, donated a million dollars, is loved in the community. Everybody, everybody knows what a great guy he is. Everybody loves Drew Brees. Um, anyway, he's now had to apologize on social media um, because uh, he said he he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag by kneeling during the national anthem. So you have this severe, prolonged uh, backlash from athletes on his own team. You know, LeBron James among them. He wrote, he'd like to apologize to my friends, my teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, the NFL community, and anyone I might have hurt. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive, completely missed the mark on the issues that we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness of any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. This could not be further from the truth. It is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. In an interview with Yahoo Finance the day before, Bree said, let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played. And when I look at the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army, one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and trying to make our country in this world a better place. Um, so every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at the flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. In many cases, it brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed. Among the many athletes uh, and media that attacked Breeze was LeBron James, who was, sh- quote, shocked that the quarterback wouldn't understand why players would kneel during the anthem. He writes, LeBron James does. Wow, man. With, you know, face palm emoji. Is it still surprising at this point? Sure isn't. You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee. Has absolutely nothing to do with the disrespect of the flag or our soldiers, the men and women who keep our land free. My father-in-law was one of those men who fought as well for this country. I asked him a question about it and thank him all the time for his commitment. He never found Kaepernick's uh, peaceful protest offensive because he and I both know what's right uh, and what's wrong. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this. You know, the, the thing is, is that not every issue has to be conflated together. I mean, you can, you know, for somebody that is saying that, well, because it's just a fact that there has been blood shed lives lost thousands and thousands and thousands of them people fighting under that flag nobody's saying america is a a perfect country we all know it's not you know everybody knows that you know i i think the the real beauty of the founders and the framers and what they did is they designed a system knowing the system wouldn't wouldn't have been built had they the, they press the issues of the day at the time. And I think you rightfully say, you know, nobody that doesn't find slavery, repugnant, revolting, evil. It is, was, still exists in parts of the world, sadly. And I think what he's saying is, well, 
when I see that flag, I think of all the men that fought, bled, and died, and that would be people of all backgrounds and all races. You know, I, I remember I like what Robert Kraft did when this whole Kaepernick thing went down. Robert Kraft owns the New England Patriots. And Robert Kraft, you know, talked to the players on his team. He said, look, um, we'll honor the, the people that fought and bled and died under that flag, but we can also help the community out and, and the causes that matter most to the, the people that support this great team of ours. And I'll match you dollar for dollar in, in any effort you want to get involved in. And he did. Pretty you know, amazing thing. Sean, you, you know. make you make such a good point. I think you started here in a really good place, which is people are conflating issues. And, you know, I don't know a ton about sports, but what I do know is that Drew Brees but, is a really way, good— how, how many points do you get in okay, the touchdown? Okay, first of all, don't digress. How, no, no, hang on. I how many no points idea. in the touchdown? How many know. points? I don't know. Nor do I care. My point is, is that Drew Brees is this really good man, and he's done all of this philanthropic work, and he's a man who doesn't just say things. He actually— does the good behind what he's saying. And so I don't think him saying that he respects his flag is saying that he doesn't care about the injustices that have happened in American history. It means that the flag means X to him, but he still respects what it means to somebody else. What's happening now is that there's just no civil discourse. There's no respect. There's no understanding of where another person's perspective can come from. Everybody's on tilt. They're so ready to react and to completely annihilate you if you do not completely agree with them. And that's not what America is. And Ethan and I were talking yesterday about something that has not been reported on at all, which is this statue that's in Boston that was defaced by a group of Antifa people. And it is it is a uh, homage to the 54th Regiment, which was composed of this entire African-American volunteer infantry unit and they fought after Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. So their colonel, Robert Gould Shaw, advocated for the men to join the war because they were fighting for the freedom that that flag stood for for them, that their president was fighting for. And Antifa defaced it. I'm like, these are historical African-American patriots. Well, you the, know? the idea is, though, in the beauty of our and, and we all know it's been too slow. It was, you know, the Lincoln is the Republican Party, party of Lincoln, right? And you have, for example, um, and and a big part of the Civil War battle. Um, uh, then you have, you know, the Civil Rights Act of '64, the Voting Rights Act of '65. Um, is are, are, do we have racist? Pe- of course we do. There are ignorant, racist, bigoted, hateful people. We all know that. We all know who they are. We know the names of the groups, et cetera. Some on the left, some on the right. They're just, to me, you know, they're just evil. And frankly, rightly marginalized. Nobody wants to hear from these ignorant idiots. You know, but at the end of the day, we are one American family. At the end of the day, you know, honoring those that are protected. Now, if if there's ways to bring people together, and I brought this up with Burgess Owens and Herschel Walker yesterday on the program. And, you know, you look at the sports world, um, you look at a locker room, any sport. I mean, you're looking at a, you're looking at America and you're looking at at people joining together. One of the more amazing things are gladiator sports, if you will, the toughest of the tough, certainly football and certainly like MMA fighting, which I'm a fan of. But I love all sporting activity. I admire great talent um, of wherever it comes from. One of the reasons we like to go to baseball games is because. 
you know, you got pitchers that can throw 102 miles an hour and, and throw these crazy knuckle curves that you, nobody can hit, and it's amazing. Then you got these hitters that can just pound it out of a ballpark, uh, and it's exciting, and it's, you know, if you hit 300, you're one of the top players in the game. That's three out of every 10 times a bat. Um, the same with, you know, nobody disputes uh, LeBron James's gifts and his talents and his athleticism and the competitor that he is, or Kobe Bryant or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird. I think that was one of the best errors ever. And then in the locker room, you got teammates, you know, fighting all backgrounds for common goal to win championships. And you got the fans rooting on, on you know, for their specific teams. And then you see at the end of these gladiator sports, what do they do? They, they all shake hands. Uh, a lot of them get in a circle on a football field and, you know, they kneel down and they, they people on both teams, even the refs, and they say a prayer. They thank God for the opportunity to come together and, and, and play this, this great sporting event. And that, that is the better part of America. Uh, righting wrongs, correcting injustices, that is the better part of America. Uh, the ignorant are marginalized. And I just think that, you know, there's, there, one thing we have to have a discussion about, too, is, you know, if, if we look at the problems and the neglect of inner cities in America, there is no excuse for it. Because every two years and every four years, there are people that are running for office. They they go into uh, certain communities and they're going to say, vote for me, vote for me. And this group of people are racist and they're sexist and they're misogynist and they're homophobic and xenophobic and Islamophobic and they want dirtier and water. They hate your grandparents. They want them to only eat dog food, cat food, never to get health care and throw them over a cliff. I mean, that's what you hear every two and four years. And I've, I've played all those ads all throughout the years. I have the whole history in my head. If I wanted to go through it right now, I could. And on the other hand, then we got to look at there has been an institutional failure. I mean, sad institutional failure. Look at the educational system. You know, now then we talk about the rule of law and all right, the, the billions and billions of dollars that we have uh, uh, in terms of cost because we don't control our borders and the impact it has on our criminal justice system, our educational system, our health care system. It gets very expensive because that's money otherwise that could be used to help American schools. I don't think it's about money. We spend more per capita than any industrialized country in the world. Why? Why then are the results in cities like New York? And if you want to go into demographics, identity politics, predominantly um, minority neighborhoods, they're getting the worst education. We are we are not serving our children. Those are our American kids, and we are we are putting a disadvantage when this can be solved. Well, a lot of the cities where, you know, I can't understand for the life of me why anybody hasn't gotten a hold of Chicago and said, that's it. This violence is over and draw a line in the sand and take back the city from those people that are shooting innocent men, women and children every weekend. It's got to stop. We can solve that. You know, the word education is from the Latin, educare, to bring forth from within. All right, if you believe God created every man, woman, and child, I do, everybody, we're all one American family, then that means God put in every person talent. There's a lot of people that have a lot of talents that I certainly don't have in life, 
And now the job of a good educational system is to bring forth from within that which is already there, predicated that God put it there. Okay, we're not doing that. And we're failing our kids on a spectacular level. How do you spend the most money and still come in 37th? You know, real answers, real solutions. And, you know, and, and then you get into the political side of it. The facts are that the, the worst run cities in America, you got decades of Democratic rule. You know, one Democratic governor after another in Illinois, one Democratic mayor after another in Illinois, and the violence continues. That was, you know, Barack's hometown. Did he fix it? Nope. Why not? You know, now they, they, he he was president during Ferguson and uh, Cambridge police and and Trayvon and George Zimmerman and Baltimore and Freddie Gray. And, you know, now all of a sudden he's going to lecture everybody on what to do. I'm, uh, OK, what did you do? And then you say, well, Donald Trump. OK, those manufacturing jobs that Biden Obama said would never come back. They came back. And they're going to come back more because we're taking back a lot of our manufacturing from China as a result of what happened with coronavirus. Well, that means more jobs for more Americans. Prior to Corona, record low unemployment. But how many records did we break? Uh, The lowest level of of unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. Well, you you do it by implementing, I would argue, conservative policies, free market capitalism works, uh, literally getting rid of burdensome bureaucracy. You know, we became energy independent also as a result. You know, illegal immigration, the the amount of money it costs and the impact on some cities is astronomical. And now we have to take, you know, every dollar in the house to be stretched 10 more different ways. It's impossible. We can't sustain ourselves and do, you know, let's first get the job done right with American citizens. And, you know, there are solutions. Nobody wants to talk about solutions. Uh, I understand the importance of symbolism, but I really want answers. Answers that will stop the violence in inner cities, fix our failing educational system, you know, helping people uh, with a good education to give them the ladder out of poverty into uh, wealth and happiness and success in their life. If you believe that it's in within everybody, I believe it's in every person. We just got to, you know, create the environment where we are bringing the best out of people. That's not been happening. And you, you, you bring up the political side. All I see is every year, Republicans, conservatives, I don't like racist. I don't like sexist. I don't like misogynist. Uh, I don't believe controlling your borders is xenophobic. I don't think travel bans are either. I don't think anyone's Islamophobic. I don't like radical Islamism. There's a distinction between Islam and radical Islamists that pervert a religion. You know, I I, I breathe the same uh, air as everyone else. I want clean air and clean water. Shocking. I think you can do both. I think with especially as we grow technologically and science and everything else, I believe in taking care of the sick and the elderly. There's better ways to do it than the socialized medicine. Keep your doctor plan and save money. Didn't work out, did it? I've been undercover with Real City Antifa since July of 2000. Depending on the setting, if I were to be caught or found out, in a setting where I am present with them, it could escalate to violence against me. 
Don't be that f***ing guy with the goddamn spiked brass knuckles getting photos taken of you. Police are going to be like, perfect, we can prosecute these f***ers. Look how violent they are. Right? Not that we're not, but we need to f***ing hide that. If you ruin their day, if you, like, heckle them, you make them feel like they look ridiculous, you make them feel outnumbered, and therefore their whole yay, yay, America, Trump thing is going to go by the wayside. Rose City Antifa holds required lectures for prospect members in secret at, in other words, bookstore before they open. And as part of their security culture, they require us to put our phones in the bathroom and next door. Uh, this bathroom is not only away from the main room where the lecture is taking place, but also has a fan that muffles any sound from the room. The whole goal of this, right, is to get out there and do dangerous things as safely as possible. How violent is Antifa or RCA in particular? Practice things like an eye gouge. It takes very little uh, pressure to injure someone's eyes. They do not hesitate to either push back or incite some kind of violence. In our classes and in our meetings, when, before we do uh, any sort of demonstration or black block, you know, we talk about weapons detail and what we carry and what we should have. What is black block? Well, this is black block right now. The term is used to uh, a tactic in which individuals conceal their identity to look uniform so, so that no one can be identified in an act of a crime. With RCA, it seems much more structured, almost like a company or like a business. So, you know, I feel like there is some type of outside funding influence or resources being used. Consider like destroying your enemy, not like delivering a really awesome right hand, right eye, left eye blow, you know? Um, it's not boxing, it's not kickboxing, it's like destroying your enemy. At some demonstrations, however, there are groups that exploit the opportunity to engage in such crimes as looting. And finally, at some demonstrations, there are extremist agitators who are hijacking the protests to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. We have evidence that Antifa and other similar extremist groups, as well as actors of a variety of different political uh, persuasions, have been involved in instigating and participating in the violent activity. And we are also seeing foreign actors playing all sides to exacerbate the violence. The Department of Justice is working to restore order in the District of Columbia and around the nation. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show. That is the Attorney General Bill Barr speaking out about groups like Antifa. Uh, we reported yesterday Black Lives Matter. Well, and a lot of these liberal politicians now saying we, we don't need a paid police force. And Black Lives Matter want an armed peace officers in a war on police, according to their New York leader. We're talking about self-defense. We're talking about defending our communities. You know what it's like to see a taser pointed at a seven-year-old? You know what it's like to see a 67-year-old black woman pepper sprayed and pushed to the ground? We are preparing and training our people to defend our communities. And uh, we have black special forces uh, officers advising us and will teach and train uh, people in our communities uh, and the the Black Ops Department of Black Opportunities, according to this guy Newsom. That was in uh, Fox. That was on FoxNews.com. 
and the feds are investigating. We know the president has now designated Antifa a terrorist organization. Uh, we know that the feds are investigating the professional Antifa light agitators exerting command and control over the unrest, as you just heard the attorney general say. Uh, the acting uh, Department of Homeland uh, Security Secretary uh, right to push for police reform. Groups like Antifa or anarchists are moving violent protests along. Now, we know more about this in large part because our friends at uh, Project Veritas, that's James O'Keefe's group, they now have gone undercover once again. And they went undercover with Antifa. And which is what we're playing for you and what we have here. James O'Keefe joins us. He's the founder of Project Veritas. Uh, how long was this guy? Because he's not there now. Was How long was he undercover? I can't say, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me on. But this is a one of our uh, undercover reporters, brave, brave man. Uh, Rose City, that's Oregon, Portland, Oregon, the epicenter of all the violence and, and the anarchy and the nihilism. This is a brave undercover reporter who, who got accepted into Antifa and went to their training. But, I, I, Sean, I just can't say that the, the timeline, it was, it was in the last couple years, it was a, quite a process. And, um, and you can see in the tapes that what they're doing, they're training people to commit acts of violence. I know you so well. How many days of tapes will you be rolling out? Uh, well, we have a lot of this footage in the last year or two, and we just will this is the right time. So we're going to, you know, we're going to release this tape. And I mean, I saw Ben, I saw William Barr uh, alive and I, I hope that someone gets prosecuted. They're talking about gouging on people's eyes. So we want to give each tape the credit it's due. We want to focus on these individuals and see if there's a reaction, see if there's a government reaction, and then we'll move on to the next tape. Um, and, and, and next one, we even have some material obtained in New York city. Uh, in their anti-file. And by the way, Sean, they say this is not a centralized group. There's no one behind it. The media says it's not really even much of a thing. But as you can see in these tapes, they even have a PowerPoint presentation about how to do this. They, they, they talk about gouging out people's eyes. They talk about uh, the need to commit acts of violence. They talk about uh, when, the, when you go into the, the training, they make you put your phone in a, in a bag, kind of in a booth, they have noise-blocking machines. I've, I've done a lot of undercover journalism over the last 12 years, do a lot of organizations. I've never seen something so sophisticated. I would say it's easier to go undercover into Google than it is to do Antifa. So it seems like they have some counterintelligence or FBI training or something like that. It's quite an amazing thing to watch, you know, this, this training that we went to and 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 uh, very hard organization to penetrate. Well, you describe the scene where there's an I guess he, this person made an initial outreach and they arrange a meeting that you're going to be at a Starbucks and you're going to have a water bottle. Why don't you walk us through the video from there and the experience from there because then he's taken to an unknown location. Right. So this is a bookstore in Portland, Oregon, a, a, an organization, a business that housed these trainees. Most of the time, these Antifa folks are wearing black masks, and they call it Black Block. That's the name of the attire. So the individual went, our undercover porter spent months, uh, a very long time, ingratiating himself in this organization. And uh, uh, he got in. And in the video, they take off their Black Block. They, they are, they're centered in a circle. They have a presentation. They have a projector. And they walk you through 
the, the importance of, of dis, quote, destroying the enemy, Sean. That's what they say. We need to destroy the enemy. Uh, quote, the whole goal of this is to get out there and do dangerous things as safely as possible. Uh, you got to, quote, deliver a really awesome right hand, right eye, left eye blow. It's not boxing. It's not kickboxing. It's destroying your enemy. So they talk about hiding their activities. They're very paranoid. There's, they, they use Proton Mail, which is an encrypted email account that we that Project Veritas uses with our sources, and, and the New York Times uses, and others. And they and they really are <laughs> really good at at not letting people on the inside. I, I know this. It's it was very hard for us to get this far. Um, and um, and I think the the violence is something you're going to see in the series. It's almost out of 1984 because they don't call it violence. They Say it's, they say it's self-defense, but it's not self-defense. In other words, we're going to justify this violence as an offensive thing to do, and we're going to couch it as self-defense. This is what these people say when they, when they do not know that they're being recorded, Sean. So to what, to so what extent in the, in the training process are they basically saying that they are going to, when there's a moment, like we have a moment, the death of George Floyd, where there's universal condemnation and outrage, and then the protesting begins, and to what extent do they interject themselves into or blend in with these groups or agitate even uh, with the very purpose of using, quote, what would otherwise be peaceful protesting to them turn it into violent protests? Well, I think that I can only quote what they're saying in this tape, and uh, what they're saying is their goal is to do it dangerous, to quote them, dangerous things as safely as possible and to hide their violence so the police won't prosecute them. So, you know, they, they have a very radical, I wouldn't even call it an ideo- ideology, the, the literature that, that they gave our reporter to read, this is almost incoherent, Sean. It's, it's, I guess I would characterize it as a philosophy of nihilism and anarchy and chaos and violence. It, it's irrational. It's, it's, it's how large brain to read the, yeah. how large and how interconnected are the different Antifa outlets in the different states? And are they traveling members and a traveling army, if you will, of Antifa, you know, anarchists? Well, this is an interesting point. Uh, we would say it's international because the individual who's responsible for it, the woman that they pointed to, the founder is from Sweden. So there appears to be people have asked me, what, who's behind it, and I don't know the name of the funder. I haven't traced the funding yet, but I do know the name of this woman, Caroline is her name, the founder of Rose City Antifa in Oregon, is originally from Europe. She's from Sweden. So via our undercover reporter was texting that person over Signal, which is another encrypted app, uh, with, with Car- this woman, Caroline, from Sweden. So there appears to be a Swedish connection, a European connection. I believe that that's what William Barr said today at the press conference, along with Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, was talking about this. So that's what we believe. Based on our reporting, there is a Swedish-European connection and likely some funding also from Europe and an international uh, effort here to, to incite uh, violence in the United States. Have you been able to glean how much money is behind this or glean how many people are we talking about? Are we talking about hundreds are we talking about thousands? Are we talking about tens of thousands of people being trained and being a part of this? Certainly thousands. I don't know the, the, the total number, tens of thousands. We do have cities around the country, and you're about to see it in New York, that that organization is called Refuse FA, F capital F-A, Refuse Fascism, or Antifa uh, in uh, Oregon. 
uh, Rose City Antifa in Portland, Oregon. And it's a connection of groups. I, what I'm amazed by, and if you look at this tape, which everyone should go to the Project Veritas website, watch the tape. What's amazing is, again, I've been doing this for 12 years, and, and I go into different groups, Google, Acorn, Planned Parenthood. This is the hardest group to go undercover in because they're so good at their counterintelligence. They're really smart. It's almost like they're getting training from the FBI. That's what struck me. It's, it, you can't just be an amateur and, and, and do the things that they were doing uh, with white noise machines and, and, and the counterintelligence methods. Well, that, would, that, would, suggest, so, that, that would suggest it's well-funded. Are they targeting individuals or are they targeting the country in general? Are they targeting unrest in the country? Unrest, uh, the, 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 I wouldn't even call it an ideology. I would call it a, a anarchy. They just want to foment violence and anarchy. They want to tear the country apart. And they, they just believe in violence, Sean. That's what their fundamental belief is. That's what they're saying. We need, to, we need to destroy the enemy using violence. That is their philosophy. James O'Keefe is uh, with us. He is the founder of Project Veritas. They were able to infiltrate Antifa. Uh, and we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side because there's more coming out. Um, we have uh, uh, explosive hearings with Rod Rosenstein and Lindsey Graham's committee yesterday. Uh, he'll join us, and Leo Terrell and Larry Elder will also be checking in with us today. All right, as we continue, uh, James O'Keefe, founder of Project Veritas, they infiltrated Antifa, the first in what will be a series of tapes that are being released uh, discussing uh, the dark, uh, uh, sort of like a covert ops uh, operation to, to spread anarchy through the country. Uh, all right. As we move forward, we'll show these videos on Hannity tonight. We have them on Hannity.com, and we link to your website at Project Veritas. Uh, what is coming in the next three, four, five days, knowing you as well as I do? Hey, well, we got, um, we got footage in New York City. We got some potential footage of them shooting guns and training on how to, on how to um, uh, you know, they, they, don't, they say they don't like guns, but they're using guns and weapons of war. So we, we have evidence of, of maybe escalation, not just gouging people's eyes out, but um, using, using force to begin a revolution. And we have this, we have, again, we have infiltrated their training in multiple states and without giving too much away because we want people to take each of every one of these very seriously and give it the attention it's due, find out who these people's last names are. We've been able to identify some, not all. And then we'll, we'll launch the next one, Sean, as early as tomorrow morning. All right, James O'Keefe, keep up the good work. By the way, what James does is not exactly easy. It's not simple. Uh, and it's not without a lot of risk and a lot of danger. ProjectVeritas.com is the website. You can see the links uh, at Hannity.com. We'll have more on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Quick break. When we come back, Lindsey Graham, explosive hearings yesterday uh, at his Senate Judiciary Committee hearings with Rod Rosenstein straight ahead. I believe, and all of us believe, that if the Republican Party had paid Mr. Steele through an organization money to dig up dirt on Hillary Clinton, and he used a Russian to create a bunch of garbage that was used to get a warrant against a Clinton campaign operative, you'd have a little different view of this. That you would be raising holy hell, and all your friends in the media would be front page news everywhere. Treason. But it's Trump, it's okay, as long as you're out to get somebody you need to get, damn the way you do it. 
Well, this committee is not going to accept that standard, my friend. This committee looked at everything you wanted us to look at in terms of Russian behavior. Did Russia interfere? You better believe they did. Will they do it again? Yes, they will. Was this the Ukrainians? No, it was the Russians who stole the emails. It was the Russians who have divided the American people in terms of the 2016 campaign. But it wasn't the Russians, my friend, who withheld information from the FISA court keeping uh, Carter Page's life turned upside down. It wasn't the Russians who refused to tell the court that the underlying dossier that was a crucial to the Carter Page warrant was a bunch of garbage. It wasn't the Russians who manipulated an email to keep getting a warrant against American citizens. It wasn't the Russians who withheld information from the court about General Flynn that they were setting him up and out to get him. It was the Department of Justice. It was the FBI. It was people who hated Trump. If people had a political bias, an agenda to destroy him before he was elected and after he was elected. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. And if you want people subpoenaed, I will certainly listen to what you got to say. But this stinks. This is a sad episode in the history of the FBI. There was no there there in August 2017. And it may not bother you, but it bothers us. And I hope it will bother the American people and we'll fix it. You asked me about reading the, the FISA. Um, there, there are a lot of FISA applications that come through. Some are more significant than others. This one was unusual in that I already knew about it because of the Russia investigation. Most of the FISA applications that are presented to me, I'm the last eyes on them before they're filed to the court, and I know nothing about them. This one I actually knew a fair amount about, and they gave it to me in advance so I could review it. Not sure I read every page, but I was familiar with what was in it. The way we operate in the Department of Justice, if we can accuse somebody of wrongdoing, we have to have admissible evidence and credible witnesses. We need to prepare to prove our case in court. And we have to affix our signature to the charging document. That's something that not everybody appreciates. Uh, there's a lot of talk about FISA applications. And many people that I, I see talking about it seem not to recognize uh, what a FISA application. A FISA application is actually a warrant, just like a search warrant. Uh, in order to get a FISA uh, search warrant, you need an affidavit signed by a career federal law enforcement officer who swears that the information in the affidavit is true and correct to the best of his knowledge and belief. Uh, and that's the way we operate. And if it's wrong, sometimes it is, if you find out there's anything incorrect in there, that person is going to face consequences. Well, he's the one that signed the last FISA application, 24 now to the top of the hour. That Rod Rosenstein, explosive hearings yesterday. Prior to that, I mean, a beatdown uh, by Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham of South Carolina against Dick Durbin. Uh, yeah, this matters. But what's most explosive about all of this, I mean, we, we have uncovered every single, we've peeled every layer of the onion in the last three years. The mob, the media, they were dead wrong as it relates to Trump-Russia collusion. That was confirmed. They, they never even tried to verify the dossier, which, by the way, the top of a FISA application, it says verified. Jim Comey signing the first three. Sally Yates signing one. Buente signing one. Rod Rosenstein, the last one. Remember, the subsource, Christopher Steele, was interviewed in January of 2017, I believe for three consecutive days beginning on January 21st. That would be the day after Donald Trump was sworn into office. We've learned exculpatory evidence was withheld with Papadopoulos, with General Flynn. 
Uh, we, we, we have now watched pre-dawn raids for process crimes with 29 guys, tactical gear, CNN cameras, Roger Stone. Uh, that never happens. What have I been saying? The biggest abuse of power, corruption, scandal in the history of this country. And yesterday, what did we learn? Rod Rosenstein, guy that signed the last FISA warrant, the guy that put out the charging memo, uh, saying, yeah, there's no uh, collusion evidence at all. And that he's not sure if, uh, what, he put his signature to that FISA in May of 2018. He says, oh, an affidavit sworn why would he sign something he doesn't know to be true? That turns out to be false when even the FBI knew it was debunked by that point. Why? And, and even going as far as to say, yeah, the whole Russia thing, never mind. That knowing what he knows now, uh, after letting Mueller and his, his merry team of witch hunters run wild and drag this country through the mud for two and a half years, costing people, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars and millions in lawyers' fees, never mind. Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Lindsey Graham is with us. The whole thing, every bit of it, now proven, and he's admitting, based on nothing. Yeah, so it's pretty stunning that the acting attorney general who signed the last FISA application said, if I knew then what I know now, I would not have signed the warrant application against Carter Page. Why? Because now we know in January 2017, uh, the Russian subsource was interviewed by the FBI. He's the guy that prepared the dossier for Steele, and he said it's all bar talk, it's all hearsay, it's not reliable. So what they're up to, Sean, is that they're going to try to blame two or three junior G-men or junior G-women saying they found out about this, but they didn't tell anybody. They're trying to lay the blame on people at the bottom of the ladder, and we're not going to let them do that. I find it almost impossible to believe that one of the most high-profile investigations in the history of the FBI, a sitting president by now in 2017, that people at the bottom did not tell people at the top, oh, by the way, our whole case just fell apart against Carter Page. And the reason Rosenstein said he wouldn't have signed the warrant application, because if he said, yes, I would, he would be committing the fraud on the court because now he knows that the underlying documentation uh, was fraudulent. I'm having a hard time understanding how it is that a dirty Hillary Clinton uh, bought and paid for Russian dossier that not only was never verifiable, but debunked and not even its own author stuck by it was used by all of these (laughs) top brass people in the FBI uh, as a mission to spy on a candidate, a transition team, and deep into the presidency of Donald Trump. And even when they debunked it, they kept going. Well, it just it, it, what drives thinking, like, why did they run these stop signs? It's pretty clear the people in charge of Crossfire Hurricane hated Trump's guts, thought she should win $100 million to, to, to nothing, had a real deep bias against President Trump as a candidate and against the Trump campaign. Well, what was stunning yesterday is that the scope memo uh, in 2017, August of 2017, allowing Mueller to go forward and giving him definition as what to investigate was actually written by the same people who defrauded the FISA court. So when I asked Rosenstein, was there any evidence that General Flynn was working with the Russians in August 2017, he said no. Was there any evidence that Carter Page was working with the Russians in August 2017? No, because 
because in January, the document they used against him had fallen apart. January the 4th, they wanted to close out the case against General Flynn, but the seventh floor wouldn't let them. Papadopoulos, he's on record in 2016 saying, if I did anything with the Russians, that would be treason. So the underlying scope document was written by the people who defrauded the FISA court to continue this investigation, and they used Rosenstein as the vehicle to do it. So, but he still signed it, and he still did sign yeah. the 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 scope memo. Yes, he signed so, both. So now the question is, Lynn Senator Graham, that if Sean Hannity did any of this, they all knew that it was false. Well, they never so even bothered to try and verify it, good, but they did question. it anyway. So why do I believe I'd be in jail right now? Well, so Rosenstein, I ask him. You signed this affidavit. He says, yes, I saw a career person vouch for it. I just signed off on what I thought was a legitimate work product. He says he should be accountable, not held to blame. I actually believe that Rod Rosenstein did not know about the January subsource interview. I actually believe he didn't know that the email was uh, manipulated. I think he asked zero questions. Here's the fault with Rosenstein. Once you find that Struck and Page hate Trump's guts, and the people in charge of Crossfire Hurricane have a political bias. He should have brought it to an end. He should have asked really hard questions. He did not. But here's my question. Is it possible that McCabe, who is actually in charge of the investigation, was never told in January 2017, oh, by the way, the dossier has been disavowed? Is it possible that the leader of the FBI was not told that one of the most important cases in the history of the FBI has just collapsed? I don't believe that's possible. That's what we're going to try to find out. In other words, that would then put this on Comey, on McCabe, on Strzok, on on Page. Where do the, the intelligence leaders come in here, like Clapper well, and so Brennan and, and, okay, and these other great. FBI guys like Priestep and others? Great and question. Baker. So, so the reason Rosenstein said he wouldn't sign the affidavit knowing what he knows now is because it would be a crime to sign a document that you know is misleading. Here's the question. In April and June, uh, when the warrant was signed yet again by Comey, is it possible that he did not know that his own FBI agents had interviewed the subsource who categorically rejected the dossier as being reliable? Is it possible that McCabe did not know that? Is it possible that Strzok did not know that? That's what this investigation's about. It's They're impossible. To set up but, some people at the bottom. But, but of the there's even chain. failures beneath that, in as much as they have a responsibility. It's their signature. So this, it, this, this they're this, verifying that it's true. Right. And and when they know and, and it and by the way, they were warned even before the first FISA application, uh, don't trust it. It's political. Steele has an agenda and Hillary paid for it. Even The New York Times said her dossier was Russian disinformation from the get go. Uh, that's the real story here is how is it possible that the Democratic Party hired a foreign agent, Christopher Steele, to to get information from a Russian connected to the Russian intelligence services, and it winds up being used by the FBI to get a warrant. That's a big deal. But you've said many times premeditated fraud on the FISA court. What would make it premeditated is if you had knowledge that the document in question is no longer reliable. Didn't so Kathleen Kavlak believe that and tell them? And didn't uh, Bruce Orr even tell them in August of 2016? That, well, you're one of the few people that know all this, but what they said is you need to ask questions about Steele. Steele is shopping this document around. This guy has an agenda. That's different than being told by the subsource 
the content of the document is not reliable. But yes, the Department of State, Bruce Orr, and other people warned the FBI that Christopher Steele had a political grudge against the president. You should watch what he gives you, but it gets worse. In January 21st through the 24th, uh, the FBI interviews the Russian subsource who completely disavows the dossier. They interview him again in March and May. So by the time that Rosenstein comes along, there's Three different interviews of the subsource where the document necessary to get a warrant has been completely debunked. Here's what I'm trying to show, that Comey and McCabe had to know that. And if they did know that, then they're candidates to go to jail. All right. Lindsey Graham, great work. What, how long will these hearings take? And then i got to run. Uh, probably uh, going to go up to October. But the, the wow. money shot is going to be, why did General Flynn's case go forward when it should have never gone forward. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to get into whether or not the oh. top of the FBI knew about the subsource disavowal of dossier. Stay tuned. That'll be later in the summer. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator, I know a lot of people have been saying, when are we going to get to the bottom of this? I think we're now we're right well over the target. Our, well on our way, my friend. We're going to do it right. We're going to get it right. Well, you're doing it right. Good. Yesterday shocked the nation. If it wasn't all this other stuff going on, it would be the biggest news ever. Thanks for all your help to keep this issue in, in front of well, everybody. Really it's, it's critical. We, we don't have a country, Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Leo Terrell and uh, Larry Elder are back. We'll also get to your phone calls, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We got full, complete coverage tonight. All things chaos, anarchy, an investigation into Antifa, uh, the Project Veritas tapes, James O'Keefe, which we had earlier in the program today. Wait do you see these videos. It is uh, it's actually scary. I mean, you're talking about real anarchy as, as the president has now declared they are a terrorist organization and recognized as such. And what role are they playing in all the chaos and the looting and the arson? Uh, that we've been watching unfold in city after city, night after night. That's all coming up tonight. When we come back, Larry Elder and Leo Terrell, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. Sean, yeah, this is the chief of department, Terry Monahan. Uh, chief. Talk to me about what just happened here. How many people were arrested and why were they arrested? This is a group we've been walking around for a long time. For hours, our cops have been going. We've been giving them the streets, giving them room to protest. Eight o'clock is our curfew. This is the area that we've had our issues in over the last uh, few nights. Everyone knows what's happened here. We gave them warnings for a while. Curfew is in effect. Curfew is in effect. No one wanted to leave. So we brought our teams in, we made 60 arrests, and we were able to disperse the rest of the crowds. You talk about uh, the fact that the last three days with the leaders. Can you talk to me a little bit about the threats that the NYPD has been facing? What is it that you guys have been facing from looters and other agitators? From day one, from Thursday night, we've been facing rocks, bottles, bricks. We've been shot at, we've been run over by cars, but they're still out there, as you can see, in force, keeping the city safe, being extremely effective out there, doing the job, making sure that this city is our city. We are one with the protesters who are out there for a justified cause, but not with the people who want to cause mayhem to our city. You've gotten a lot of criticism, or some criticism from even the governor, saying that the NYPD hasn't done its job, didn't, didn't do enough. One more time, if you can just tell me, what's your response to that? Listen, I don't want to go back and forth with the governor. The governor's the governor. All I know is what my men and women do every day. As you saw here, 
We move in tactically. We take people out. We will let people leave. We allow people to protest if they protest. But if they start violating the law, we're going to take action. And we are going to make sure that we have this city under control. Overall, even in a day where thousands of people were out expressing their views, expressing their frustration, their pain, their anger, their deep desire for change in locations all over the city, overall what we saw was overwhelmingly peaceful demonstration. I'm definitely going to address some of the things we saw late in the evening that were not peaceful and not acceptable. But if you talk about the reality of the full day, we saw more and more the peaceful demonstrators coming to the fore. I understand, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but I'm reminded of the song Imagine by John Lennon. We played it at my inauguration. I, I think everyone who hears that song in its fullness thinks about what about a world where people got along differently? What about a world where we didn't live with a lot of the restrictions that we live with now? But we're not there yet. We are making a lot of progress. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. I, I you know, I, I watch this, and my my anger is is just at beyond the boiling point. You know, another, uh, you know, uh, another two cops were shot in New York yesterday. Another two. How many more cops are going to be shot? How many more people have to be shot? How many more stores are going to be looted? Two NYPD cops shot. One stabbed and more of Comrade de Blasio's peaceful protesting last night. Uh, you have uh, Democrats in New York. They're now trying to move to defund the NYPD. You got some, some New York City looters videotaped fleeing the scene in a luxury Rolls Royce. Wow. $330,000 car, apparently. There was a anti-cop protester in Iowa shot a young African-American woman uh, dead. Uh, I, I can't, you know, you watch this and I'm thinking, how is it possible the president has to beg you to take tr guard troops and make it available to you every single day and Virginia rejects it, Illinois rejects it, New York rejects it, New York City rejects it, and this guy can play imagine all he wants and wish that it's not happening, but he's not saving the city. The, the only good news in New York last night was it started a, a torrential downpour uh, about the time that things usually begin to go bad. Uh, it's insanity. Now you have Black Lives Matter. They want their own uh, armed police force. We played James O'Keefe and the tactics of Antifa that he got undercover. Anyway, here to discuss, debate, uh, we bring back Larry Elder, nationally syndicated radio host, uh, extraordinaire, Leo Terrell, American civil rights attorney. By the way, at the Leo Terrell is his uh, Twitter handle. Uh, if you're not following Leo, you should. You know, when I see you both again, we've all known each other for, what, how many, 20 years at least, right, Larry? Yeah, Leo? like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys have fought like crazy all these years. I'm going to have a Hannity, Leo Terrell, Larry Elder peace summit, and we're all going to leave friends. As, <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, man, uh, we've Look. all had some passionate disagree. By the way, Larry, some of my finest moments on TV is when I'd mention OJ, who Leo was friends <laughs> with, and he'd, he'd rip his earpiece out, rip his microphone off, and we'd just keep the camera on an empty chair. 
Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the Leo 2.0 that we have right now. And, well, John, that's exactly why I did this documentary called Uncle Tom, which comes yeah. out on the 19th, to talk about uh, the sordid history of the Democratic Party, how racist it's been, and how misled so many people are about the, uh, the intentions uh, and the effect of the Democratic Party policies. And anybody black like myself who dares to suggest maybe, just maybe, we ought to rethink the allegiance to the Democratic Party is maligned, hammered as an Uncle Tom is a sellout. And that's why I've done this documentary. And you can see the trailers on UncleTom.com. Again, it comes out on the, on the 19th. Now, regarding the, the police stuff... Um, well, let me just the, add one thing to that, because, you know, our friend uh, Deneen Borelli, when she wrote her book, Blacklash, mm-hmm. you know, Google my name. And, and I want Leo's answer the, to this, too. If, you, if you're African-American and you're conservative, I mean, it is, you're, it's, it's, you know, people call you every mo- horrific name in the book. Well, he ought, I, and he ought to know, been, he ought to know Sean, because he's done it. He's referred to me as Uncle Tom, I don't know how many times on radio. Who? He ought to know. Who? You. Who? You, you are a liar. You're, you're a liar. Cause go, why, don't you, why don't you go back to the to the 60-minute piece where I defended <laughs> your right? You are a liar. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm not, not going to let you scare away with that. That's a lie. lie. That's an outright lie. lie. All right, hang on a second. Okay. Oh, well, Larry, you're saying that Leo said this about you. Leo, did you uh, did you ever say it? You're you a liar. Say, if you did, say you're sorry. If you didn't, you know, I'm you say you did I want to be very clear. Larry has this hatred. I don't know what it is. But in 1997, I went on 60 Minutes and defended this man's right. So you're a liar. Now, I'm going to sit here and say this, and notwithstanding, I'm going to stay focused, because in this particular situation, I agree, again, with Larry Elder and Sean Hannity, and what I've found out as a civil rights attorney, as a Democrat, as a liberal, I'm being called coon. I don't care. You know why? Because I'm going to stay focused on this issue. We'll I care. Wrong, Larry, on other issues, I, I, I care, and I care about issue, conservatives on- like Larry that have been brutalized over the years for being outspoken and happen to be African-American and, 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 and conservative. Leo, and, and Sean, Leo Terrell is one of the ones who've been brutalizing me. Now, you, you have a show. You have routinely referred to me as somebody who's a sellout. You routinely referred to me as somebody who's not advancing the best interests of the black community. Leo, you're part of the problem. I'm happy that you've changed. I'm happy you evolved. But for you to acknowledge, for you not to acknowledge that you used to say that Larry stuff, does not uh, want is, me is, to be in agreement not be, with not being honest. This is the problem, Sean. Larry does not want me to have the same position as he has and you have on this issue. I'm sorry, Larry. I'm not going to go down well, that wait, but, I don't, but Leo, he just said he likes Leo 2.0. Look, I don't want to rehash the whole of the history here. Why does he keep bringing Sean? Why does he keep bringing up what we argue about? Let's talk about our unity on uh, this issue. I bring it. I bring it up because, like Al Sharpton, you have been because, like Al Sharpton, you've been fanning the flames of racial dissent in this country for a very long period of time. You've made a lot of irresponsible statements about how much racism there is, about how racist the police department are, especially during the O.J. Simpson case. And you want to at least acknowledge that you've done that. Now I'm happy you've evolved, but damn it, you have been like that, Leo, and you have been part of the problem. Now you're part of the solution, and I'm happy about it. Larry does not want me to agree with you and him. Larry Elder has never seen me in a picture with Al Sharpton. I have never stood next to Al Sharpton. If you find a picture like that, Larry, another one of your lies, show it, and I'll apologize on national radio. I will sit here and say this, Sean. What I find disgusting is that the Democrats have tried to utilize the death of George Floyd and turn it political. I applaud A.G. Barr today. That's the same Republican who pursued federal charges in the Rodney King case when we had a black mayor in L.A. The Democrats failed to prosecute Rodney King, George Bush, a Republican, and A.G. Barr prosecuted those same officers. What I find right now is that President Trump, A.G. Barr, Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, everybody – 
has agreed that this shooting is ridiculous. And I, as a Democrat, find it offensive that people on the Democratic not, not, side. Not will shooting, not call Leo. You mean, you mean the, the death of George Floyd? We know what you're talking about. All right, let me, let me, let me move the ball because there's an issue. And even though I, we now know around the country there's more diversity than there's ever been in police departments all across the country. Yes. But but here's the problem. They're a first line of defense. And and Larry Elder, if Black Lives Matter thinks they're going to have their own armed security forces and you have people now, this movement to defund policing. Right. Uh, we know this is not going to end well. You don't have to study brain surgery to figure out people with radical points of view that have you know, have the, the history of Antifa or Black Lives Matter. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them now? You know, fry them like bacon and all this, you know, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Uh, I don't exactly want them looking out for any community because that sounds awfully violent towards cops to me. And that's why this thing is so absurd, uh, Sean. You look at uh, Baltimore, where Freddie Gray died in police custody in 2015. Mayor Black, 100% of city council Democrat, majority Black. The state attorney who brought the charges against the six officers Black. Three of the six officers Black. The judge before whom two of the officers tried their cases, and the judge found them not guilty Black. The U.S. Attorney General at the time Black. Uh, the number one person running the police department uh, in Baltimore at the time Black. Number two person Black. The President of the United States Black. So all of these Black people people running the institution, and you have these people in the streets yelling and screaming about institutional racism when black people are running the institution. And many black people are in charge of these cities, uh, black mayors, black police chiefs, and still the people in the streets are assuming when something goes down, somehow, some way, justice will not be served. I don't know what more, what, what more people want to happen. We should be looking at these things on a case-by-case basis and not assuming that the Minneapolis Police Department killed Fred, uh, killed George Floyd, not, not particular cops did. That's what's unfair about all of this. And let me just simply say this. It's obvious on everything Larry Elder says. I know he doesn't like it. He's absolutely right. What you have is you have this type of shooting in a Democratic city with a Democratic mayor. And the problem is the narrative has been has been compromised where somehow Democratic voters believe that these lawmakers have their best interests. They do not. And, and unfortunately, they don't see it on a case-by-case basis. I agree with that. We have to root 97% of all police officers are great. They're good. The problem is we got to get rid of those 3%, and that is simply, we always have to simply have an independent prosecutor prosecute those 3%. A DA cannot prosecute police officers because they work with them. All right, I got to take a break. Uh, hang on, we'll okay. come back. Leo Terrell, Larry Elder, 800-941-SEAN. Uh, they'll be joining us on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, as we continue, Leo Terrell is with us. Larry Elder is also with us. All right, so the question is, how do we, how is it possible we can bridge this gap? What else can be done? Uh, I believe it's 99% of officers are good people. You see, right. when one officer does something wrong, like in this case, wow, what, you know, it is it is damaged the, the reputation of all good police men and women that serve and protect their communities. Same with a few bad apples at the FBI. You know what? It's the world's premier law enforcement agency. 
Uh, look what happens. Look at the damage done. Leo, how do we bridge the gap? I'll tell you, Sean, it's almost impossible, but I'll, you know, I have a sister in law enforcement for 16 years, and I don't, I want her to come home at night. The key here is very simple. You've got to try to take this politics out of it. It's been politicized, as we've been discussing right now, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to the, your listeners. I don't have a solution. I do know that there needs to be that separation of an independent prosecutor, but this George Floyd situ- situation has been politicized, and both sides do it. We got to stop it. That's why I appreciate, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate when you came out with your principles and condemned this shooting, this death. And that's the type of attitude we have to have, not partisan politics. Sean, the, the, the answer is to tell the truth. I submit to you that many people in the streets are unaware that over the last 45, 55 years, according to the CDC, the police shootings of blacks, the rate has declined 70 Last year, there were nine unarmed black people killed, shot and killed by the police. Last year, there were 19 unarmed whites shot and killed by the police. I defy your audience to name one uh, unarmed white person that was killed. And the the reason for this is the media manipulates. They care about uh, an unarmed black person being killed. They couldn't give two rips about an unarmed white person being killed. And the number one problem, the solution, long-term, Sean, is more fathers in the house. There's oh, my a, God. There's, How in the world can you there's, say there's that the media doesn't care if a white person gets killed? May, That's may, a may lie. I care. I, I didn't interrupt I you. I care. I didn't no, interrupt it's a ridiculous you, statement. You're trying to sell books no, or something. Out You're going to sit here on radio and say white people don't care if white people are killed. I'm a civil rights attorney. I find I'm, that statement That's offensive. exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly You're what I'm saying. The media, does not, care. The media does not no, care nearly as much when a white person gets killed. That's ridiculous. That is outright ridiculous. And that's that rhetoric you've been spilling for 25 years. I care. I'm a black okay. man. Well, the, the, the Leo that I know well, and love is back. Well, what? The Leo that I know and love is back. Uh, My God. Oh, I'm back. Are you telling, are you telling I me the right, right, Linda and I have, have decided uh, we're going to have to have a peace summit. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go to a restaurant. We're going to break bread. We'll eat steaks. And uh, I'll, I'll get as much wine as necessary to see if we can now bridge the gap forever for both of you. But we appreciate you both being on the air. Larry Elder, Leo Terrell, 800-941-SEAN. To the phones next we go as we continue. 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Wow. we uh, I, This is going to be a difficult summit, Linda. We might have to bring more people. Uh, an intervention for, for Larry and Leo, you know, and in, in well, I mean, there's a lot of truth to the fact that they, they, they've been fierce debates over the years, um, with them. And, and, you know, we, I had some tough moments with Leo sometimes on TV, but oh, we had a lot uh, of tough moments with Leo on radio and TV and radio and TV. Remember a couple of times, you know, I was just kind of playing around and just, you know, I'd mentioned O.J. Simpson. Don't go there. Don't get it. I said, why can't I talk about O.J.? Is something wrong with O.J.? You like O.J., right? You're friends with O.J. And that was it. He, he ripped out. His, he was like, bye. bye. It's been real. <laughs> it cracks me up. But Larry's also right, too. I mean, Leo 2.0, it, I mean, it, it says a lot. Well, I think it harkens everybody's back on the to, same page yeah, we're here. all on the same page. Listen, at the end of the day, there's tons of stuff coming out right now about George Floyd, his past, who he was, how does it affect this moment. But at the end of the day, there was extreme force used in a situation that it didn't call for it at that point. And that's the point that we're addressing. So there's going to be all these other discussions that are happening on the periphery. We just need to deal with this moment. And I heard, you know, a police officer earlier And he was saying, you know, we're going to study this video not the way the public is watching it. We're going to watch it frame by frame by frame by frame. 
And that's how this is going to be played out and examined. And that's where the real analysis will come from. What's happening now has nothing to do with George Floyd. This is all about, you know, the Antifa movement and furthering an agenda. You know, the people that were protesting for George Floyd were doing it peacefully. They were listening to police officers. They were trying to find common ground. And when this all started, there wasn't a single person that was out there that thought that this was okay. So it's like, we're, well, we all weren't agree. Weren't there a number of uh, the other officers that were minority on the scene? Yes, there were. There were you lots. See, I, you see, there were I, other I, I people know, You see, that we look through everything now. Through the prism of identity politics, every poll you read, it breaks down. Uh, okay, men, women, uh, African American, Hispanic American, uh, Asian American, white American—they they break everything down demographically. We, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because that's the way it's always been done in terms of polling. But at some point, this country has got to get along. You know, the idea that Antifa uh, and now we know with Barr and his announcement earlier, they're investigating whether and James O'Keefe's undercover video couldn't be more timely, whether Antifa linked agitators are behind a lot of what's going on with these riots. I mean, you see these videos of these bricks just happen to be staged where they expect the protests are going to be in some cities. Uh, More than coincidental to me, Trace Gallagher broke that report on Fox News that's a little scary. Black Lives Matter saying that, no, we're going to arm ourselves and we're going to police our own communities and Democrats offering support to this uh, idea of of not having police. Uh, they're the first line of defense. But see, here, here's the bigger issue, right? So we talked about this earlier. The Washington Times released that piece where they explained that they have all of this evidence that shows that for months now Antifa has been planning this uprising against what we consider, you know, our society, you know, mores and norms. You know, they just want to break out. They want to fight what we call America. It has nothing to do with anything. Unfortunately, this terrible situation with George Floyd happened and it just coincided with their previously determined and planned activities. So now all of these things are gelling together and they can use this as the stepping platform. So the brick showing up, the milk showing up, the bag showing up, you know, all of these cryptic and encrypted means of communication, being able to circumvent police. It, this is not an accident. This is planned 100 percent. And then everyone gets lumped together because I think exactly. there are people that are, are peaceful protesters. We we celebrate freedom of speech. We right, make but our they're not peaceful protesters speech, because they don't have permits. They're in the middle of the street. I, I cannot listen, get home listen. to my child because you're in the I middle get it, of the but street. In America, Walk on you're the allowed, sidewalk. You're allowed, <laughs> you want protesters on the sidewalk. Get right, on the sidewalk. Get... If you have a permit to take up the street <laughs> that my tax dollars go to, by all means, get in the street. Okay. But if I love, you are, I have you need to, to apply to be for my license before I'm given my permission to have a protest for hours yeah. and hours. What about the guy who can't get his wife to the hospital to Listen, deliver their I, first baby? I, I totally get it. I hear what you, where you're coming from. I'm I'm not saying. I I think there are you know the president got in trouble when he he made the comment. Of, well, there's some good people there too, on both sides and. You know, I'm looking at this from the other side. I mean, we're talking about a lot of crazy leftist groups infiltrating what uh, what other people are, are honestly protesting with the injustice that we see in the video. And uh, in that sense, they take it. They, they are using these moments as opportunities to foment hatred and advance violence and anarchy. And these extremist groups, and I don't care if they're white supremacist uh, extremists, or we pointed out, for example, the extremism of Louis Farrakhan or, you know, we've talked about the weather underground, uh, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers blast from the past. Um, 
you know, we got to find ways to be one American family or, you know, these cities are not going to survive. After all we've been through, I don't think a lot of these businesses looted and and burned to the ground are coming back. Let me let me get to the phones, though. All right. Let's say hi. Uh, Is it Sabas, Brownsville, Texas? Did I say that right? How are you? That's that's good, Sean. Salas is how they say down here. But uh, yeah, uh, Salas from Texas. What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. I just wanted to take the time to thank you and your team for exposing this a long time ago. Uh, my wife now, uh, she's, a, she's a liberal, um, but as she's seeing the news coming out, she turns to me and she tells me, you've been saying this the past three years, and I go, well, yeah, I've been missing the Hannity. Um, the only thing, Sean, that worries me is that, uh, like they say, let no crisis go to waste. Um, I call it the big wheel of the Democrats. They spin a wheel every week. And they blow up a crisis to make people angry, make people sad, make people afraid. And it takes away the attention to what's going on with the deep state. And that's what worries me is that a lot of people aren't, too, aren't listening to what's actually going on out there. You know, they're not. And I, look, I'm just telling you, I am watching now a phenomenon. I think this is a tipping point moment for the country and not just the election. I mean, there's so much writing on what happens on 152 days. I don't have yes, a crystal sir. ball. I don't know. I can't tell you uh, for sure that Donald Trump's going to get reelected. No one can say for sure. Anybody that thinks they know, they don't know. It's going to be up to the, we, the people. It's going to be up to the ultimate jury is you, the American people. And there's a lot on. There's a lot at stake here. And, you know, the fact that one party panders to environmental extremism and, you know, radical socialism um uh, policies of appeasement open borders amnesty sanctuary cities and states uh it, it is going to get rid of the fundamental strengths of this economy which is capitalism no oil no gas scares me sabas thank you uh mike is in ohio we'll be paying very close attention to ohio in 152 days how are you sir glad you called hey sean how are you i am uh Eight-year veteran police officer, and well, last thank year you for your I service. finished up my. Yeah. You're welcome. Last year, I finished up my doctorate degree in public administration, and I actually conducted a research study on 23 officers that were exposed to the Ferguson riots in 2014 and 15. And uh, you'd be pretty amazed at the the findings. Um, three of the officers I interviewed were black; uh, two were female, uh, which is pretty typical of the population of police officers there. Um, I also had the officers conduct a survey called the symbolic racism scale, which is designed to determine your level of racism. And I did not find any significant levels of racism in any of the officers that I interviewed. And that's after many of them were assaulted and uh, their families were affected. And even after all of that, they still did not harbor any uh, higher levels of racism. Look, I, I do believe we have to be honest here, and it's hard to read hearts. I, you know, I've never been a big supporter of hate crimes legislation because what are we trying to do here? OK, we'll add a penalty if the the reason, the motive behind whatever crime, let's say a crime of violence or murder or, you know, a brutal beating was based on on race, et cetera. You, you try to determine, OK, well, if you're racist, you're going to get X number more years um, I don't know how you punish people's thoughts. It's their actions that 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 they get that they're getting arrested for. 
and if the penalties are severe enough for those that are violent, this, this is just a fact. There are racist people. You know, there are these radical white supremacist Ku Klux Klan loving idiots and imbeciles out there. You know, I listen to someone like Louis Farrakhan. What do I hear? You know, virulent anti-Semitism and racism. You know, God has taught me that the white man is a skunk of the planet Earth. Um, jewelry. Remember Khalid Abdul Muhammad, etc. I mean, there is anti-Semitism. There is racism. But I don't believe it's widespread as some might think. I think you have extremes on all sides. And I, I have no respect for any of them. I, you know, if somebody wants to say they're a conservative and they're racist, I want nothing to do with them. Nothing. Zero. It's funny that you mention Farrakhan because one of the officers that I interviewed was actually charged with escorting uh, Al Sharpton uh, to downtown Ferguson to make a speech. And he had to sit there and provide protection for Al Sharpton uh, while he berated police officers on a public street. And then afterwards uh they went to a firehouse and al sharpton asked them all to have cigars with them and uh he basically told them uh, the officer said well you just got done berating us and you want to have a cigar and he said oh that's all just to show they paid me twenty five thousand dollars to come out and make a speech yeah uh, look i uh, i don't know if, I, if he's saying that i guess it's true i mean you know, I've had conversations and debates with Al Sharpton. I remember, Linda, the year that I went to the, uh, what, what is the name of his group? National uh, National uh, Action Network. Action Headquarters, remember? And it was a big debate, and it was me versus Reverend Sharpton, and the room was packed. I mean, and there was like, a you know, thousands outside the room banging on the door saying, let us in, let us in. Everybody wanted it. It was not a big enough room. It was at oh, a hotel. It, it was tight. Un- Uncle James was there. A sweet baby was with us, and, you know, I actually brought with me, um, remember we used to call, what do you call those big uh, cassette player things, you know, to play music? Anyway, boombox? Pe- yeah, yeah. I brought one with me with tapes of Al Sharpton and, you know, him using the N-word about Mayor Dinkins and, you know, other pejoratives uh, that he used for other groups and, and things that he had said over the years. He didn't want me to play that during that debate. But I said, I got it right here, Reverend Al. You want me to play it because you said it. Um, cause I knew he'd probably deny it. Look, I did it in the, and I started that debate. If you remember Linda, I, I, cause I remember it like it was yesterday and I started the debate and I said, Reverend, let me, before we get going, can I ask you a couple of questions? Sure. Okay. Do you believe that there's one God, one creator? Cause he was, he, as a, a young adult, he was a preacher. I mean, he was young. Um, God created all of us. Yeah. Do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Um, yeah. And he saved all of our sins? Yeah. And we believe all of that together. We're, we're one fa- you know, family in Christ. I asked him that. Yes. I said, well, I believe all that. And I said, then why are you wrong on everything else? And it got a laugh out of the room, but it wasn't designed for a laugh. It just is, you know, if we start at that fundamental level, the good people of this country that believe that, then, okay, now, and it doesn't have to be Christianity, but whatever your faith, I'm, I'm, I'm very open about people's religions. I don't care, um, because I think religion and a belief in a God and a higher calling and a higher honor in life, once you believe in God, you know, you, you have a lot in common from that point. As long as, you know, if you're not buying one of the radical versions of any religion, right? Not the Church of GD America, for example. And it is, 
there is a lot of power behind things, movements. There is a, a desire for power. There is a desire for, in some cases, it's about money. In some pa- cases, there are people that benefit off the divide of this country. But at the end of the day, we better be one United States because the alternative is not good. And if we ever get away from the principles that made us great, and I write extensively in the first chapter when, when I released this book, Live Free or Die, about the underpinnings of freedom and the belief, the ideals, the principles that made this country great. Because if you don't understand it, you can't, you, you're not going to fully understand the real importance of what's at stake when we all go to vote in 152 days. And so I, I, I did more research on that one part of the book because it's that important. And I've been immersing myself in this now for over a year to get this right. But that's the that, that, that's what's missing here. And, you know, the more, you know, I think the answer, part of it is going to be, Linda's, you, you told me you started going to a new church recently, right? Yeah, beginning of this year. Right. And, and I think that the answer of bringing people together is most likely to be um, through, the, through a belief in, and, and an agreement on faith. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Tonight, busy news. Okay, Antifa, a full-fledged investigation. Project Veritas, we got that. Larry Logan, Ben Carson, Dan and Geraldo, Larry and Leo, Carl Rove, Curtis Sliwa, Guardian Angels, what they're doing to help protect stores and people in New York. 9 Eastern, say DVR, Hannity, Fox News. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight, back here tomorrow.